All right. Yeah. So this is a conversation about uh, uh, compliments and the challenges of accepting compliments, which I think is a really, really interesting topic. I certainly have some exciting challenges <laughs> that way myself. And uh, Mr. P, you had uh, some some thoughts about it, which sort of got this conversation going, which I really uh, appreciate. And uh, uh, maybe you could uh, tell us what they were. Sure. Uh, I can just read the uh, post I put on the yeah, board. Yeah, that'd be great. Sure. Um, I have a history of feeling uncomfortable and anxious when complimented on my looks, behavior, or accomplishments. Both in one-on-one -on -one interactions and in group settings, I have an immediate sensation like a hole being shot through me when I'm praised. It rather feels like the compliment shoots out of the person's lips, darts into my brain to find a coinciding value that I hold that says I am worthy, but fails to find it and the connection drops. I'm left with a disconnection and, and anxiety soon follows as I feel pressured to thank or acknowledge the praise. It's as though my acknowledgement or appreciation for the compliment is always feigned and never legitimate. A few people in my life have noticed this discomfort and tension and I've come to better re realize it through them. I've always wrestled with low self-esteem and continue to work on my own through sentence completions, etc. But I'm wondering if anyone else has experienced this type of feeling. I have the same reaction when someone apologizes to me. It's like I don't know what to do or how to react. Fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. And just for those, because, uh, you know, I've, I've sort of become aware as we've become a bigger show that people might uh, might bungee in to to these conversations. So for those, anybody who's just listening out of order, this is just a conversation among ramp amateurs in the field of self-knowledge. Um, I'm certainly no psychologist or trained in the field. I don't think anyone else here is either. Uh, but um, uh, just, you know, I've sort of been aware as we've been, as we've been getting bigger that people might not be listening sequence. And I just sort of want to make that clear that there's no, no professional uh, credentials being laid on the line here, but it's just a bunch of uh, people interested in philosophy who are amateurs talking about ideas. So anyway, I just trying to be as, uh, you know, as, as uh, respectful to listener variances as possible. So, uh, so have you had, a, I mean, you've had a little bit of chance to, um, uh, I guess, to think about it since you posted that. What, um, uh, what have you, uh, uh, what have you thought about? Uh, well, I, I know there were a few people who, uh, replied to my thread and, uh, appreciated and, um, someone had mentioned, um, they'd, uh, shared, uh, a particular, thought that um it had to do with uh they had a similar reaction it had to do with their mother and their school teachers and um it was kind of like the compliments were dished out as uh, a form of manipulation and, and um i know for me uh just thinking a bit about this and thinking about my mother i know that um i, I can certainly link that and I, she's a extremely needy person and i i feel like um sometimes when she makes compliments uh, towards me or uh, says I've done something good it's uh, almost a desire of she's actually asking for something um, and I, I think that's kind of the impression I've had thinking about this is that when I receive a compliment from somebody or even if it's an apology it feels as though it's um, there's an onus on me to then do something it's not something I can just receive and just just receive it it's something I have I have to do something about it. Okay, and what sort of uh, what sort of stuff did you feel that you had to do something about it with, or what sort of stuff did you do you feel you have to do when you were younger? Uh, I just feel. I guess I um, thinking about when I was younger. I feel like I have to. Um, I have to just uh, appreciate it, and I have to really make a point of acknowledging uh, the the compliment. Um, and also I, I, I'm just kind of thinking of, um, just many times in my adult life when someone will compliment me and I feel like I need to compliment them in return. Like I immediately have to, uh, like if someone says, wow, this is great pasta. Good job. You're a good cook. It's like, oh wow. Well, thanks for bringing the wine. This is really good wine. Like, and, um, I feel like if I don't do that, then it, I feel like there's something, um, right. Or like, like I've done judging wrong. from your pants, you're a good eater or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> or something diplomatic. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's interesting. And, um, what is the, um, uh, if you sort of look inwards and you sort of try and figure out what is going on, what is it that you anticipate will result if you don't reciprocate in that kind of way? Like if you don't, 
return compliment or or sort of if you don't if you just accept the compliment, what do you think the result would like? What do you what do you anticipate the result would be? Um, that's a really interesting question. Um, um, I, I guess what comes to mind, and I, I want to make sure I answer your question, but when I am when I get the compliment, I feel like I need to do something about it, and I feel like, um, like I mentioned in my post, that th- there often can be just a disconnect where I don't um, see it the same way they do, or if they think I did a good job, uh, I'll think I didn't do a good job, so I'll feel, if I don't acknowledge it, I feel like um, I'll end up sort of um, feeling that sadness or some sort of sadness from not really th- agreeing with them inside. Does that make sense? No. Um, it, okay. I mean, it may make perfect sense to others. It doesn't make much sense to me, which you know, okay. may be just my, my density. Uh, but um, uh, if you could try taking another, another run at that, I'd appreciate it. Sure, sure. Um, um, I'm just uh, taking a moment to think. Um, yeah, so they they will compliment me or apologize to me, and I'm so sorry. I'm just trying to get to. I'm not like it's. There's a fear there, and I'm just trying to figure out what it is. I mean, that was my thought, which, you know, it's just my thought, but um, the aversion that you talked about in the post, which was, was really visceral and very strong and very powerful, you, you, you likened it to a, a projectile or a bullet, if I remember rightly. That, um, that's right. That's I mean, right. that's really strong for just what I feel like I might feel the other person say. Like, the, the, the feelings that you experience are of, you know, imminent sort of threat or, or there's a kind of intensity to it that I'm just trying to match up with your description here. And that's really where my point of confusion is, which may be easily uh, explainable by something, but that's where the gap is that I sort of see. I see, I see. And, and uh, I, I totally understand what you mean. Because um, that, that is really uh, what it does feel like, especially I, I'm, I'm uh, linking it to um, group settings, but just when, yeah, someone does compliment me, and I just feel like it's it's like I can't, uh, and I, sorry, I, I still don't feel like I'm answering your question, but I just feel like it, it darts right through me, and I don't feel like I can really uh, receive it, um, or take hold of it, or relate to it. But um, I'm sorry, I'm. No, no, it's totally fine. Look, I mean, if you had all the answers, it wouldn't be worth having a conversation, right? Because I certainly <laughs> have all the answers around my ambivalence around compliments and uh, and and praise and so on. So I'm I'm like you know I'm no further ahead in the fog than you are, but but at least this is sort of what I see. When you say darts through you, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like, so let's pick a compliment that you can remember that's more specific, just so we're not talking too much in the abstract place. Um, uh. Okay. Um, uh, if, if, um, I'm just trying to think of something specific. Like if I did, um, <clears throat> like in my particular industry, I work on uh, animations and someone will say, wow, that's a, that's a great piece of work. I mean, that's fantastic. You're really talented. Um, that makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> um, I, and... Um, yeah, jeez, I'm just trying to try and elaborate. No, on that's it. just fine. I mean, I can keep asking questions if you like. I don't want to, you know, flounder like a yeah, fish it's... on a hook because it's tough, right? When you're looking from the inside, it's really, really tough to see yourself. That's why, you know, a community mm-hmm. of people to talk about stuff is is really important. Mm-hmm. Now, yes. Do you do, do you feel or do you have a differentiator? Because we all know people who give us, you know, insincere compliments. And I think we can all recognize that there are times when those compliments are sincere. Do you feel the same way whether you feel that the compliment is sincere or insincere? Um, no, I, I do feel um, differently. Um, if, I, if I don't think it's sincere, then uh, I won't take it seriously. Um, but uh, it's it's really, and then maybe I can just reference um, one thing uh, I mentioned. I have a similar experience when people apologize to me, and I I had just a a recent experience of someone sincerely apologizing to me, and 
I, I, it was sincere. I could identify that and I, and I, I could appreciate it, but I still felt like I didn't know what to do with it. Like I didn't, um, and maybe I can just elaborate by saying it was an apology from someone which I thought was, um, appropriate mm-hmm. because there's something that had been done. And, um, I was, I was glad that she was apologizing, but it didn't seem to resonate or, 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 or I don't know. It didn't really do anything for me. Well, but it I did knew. something to you, right? If I understand this rightly in that you felt anxiety, you know, if I understand what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, you felt anxiety in the face of the apology because you didn't know how to respond to that or to the genuine well, exactly, apology, right? That's right. You're exactly right. It, it didn't, it made me anxious. You're right. Yeah. So here, and you know, again, tell me if I'm wrong, but what I think I'm, I'm getting from you is that you actually feel more anxiety when the apology or the compliment is genuine than when you feel that it's not. Um, yeah, it sounds that way. Yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> it sounds that way, but is it that way? <laughs> I mean, no, yeah. only you can tell for sure, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I guess just within the context of this conversation so far, you're right. That's, that is, how, uh, that is, I think that is the case. Um, and when you think about this, and I know there's a lot to process all at once and we can move on to something else, but do you th- is, is that the case? Do you think like if it is a genuine compliment or a genuine apology, do you feel more anxious or less anxious or about the same? Um, I think I feel more anxious. I feel like actually I, I felt like, um, w- when, uh, I was apologized to it, it was almost a level of intimacy that made me feel uncomfortable. Um, just because it was sincere and, and, uh, someone was sort of reaching out to me. Hmm. Well, an apology and a compliment, but even more so an apology is an amazingly vulnerable thing. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why it's so tragically rare, right? It's just... It's just it's 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 an amazingly vulnerable thing to genuinely apologize to someone because you you're you're giving them power over you, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And there are families, of course, out there. Not all of them, but there are families out there that, if you apologize, then that becomes the thing, right? So if you apologize for something or you really take take uh, uh, ownership for something, uh, then some some families and some friends and some organizations. Like, you now will be the guy who did X, right? Um, uh, so if – when I was a kid, if I forgot to bring something, then that became the thing, right? If I would say, well, I'm really sorry I forgot to bring this, then I would be the guy who just always forgot to bring things, you know? <laughs> like, it, it, it actually can be really tricky to apologize in, uh, uh, in, in certain kinds of environments because it becomes something that's power over you and can be held over you and, and so on. And uh, so it is a very vulnerable thing. And I, I think it's a, it's a great honor to be apologized to because somebody is – like to be genuinely apologized to you is a great honor because somebody is saying, I'm giving you this power over me. And um, uh, you can – you will I, – I believe that you will do right with that power. Yeah, I, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, just to mention something I, th- I thought of while you're talking was, um, I know I knew in my family and... Uh, <laughs> and uh, you thought while I was talking? But no, with my parents, um, I mean, when I think about, you know, I take sincere apology on one side and I think of my parents on the other side and I think of, you know, do those two match up? And I don't... I don't know if I've ever received any sort of sincere apology from my parents about really anything that, that like, it, I can't remember any, any sort of sincere apology. Um, like, that I have a disconnect with that, so. You have um, maybe, a disconnect with that, okay. Uh, sorry, so, let me just make sure I understand, because that was a, quite the fog fog to my face. <laughs> let me just make sure. Oh, pardon I me. Understood. So, um, uh, your parents, you say, have not apologized to you for anything that you can recall i i don't i don't remember them ever having any real sincerity when they would apologize to me as a child or as an adult like they don't really say they're sorry uh when they do things that may bother me or my sorry when you siblings. say they don't really say just do you mean that they do say it but it doesn't feel real or they don't say it at all it um they, they say it but it doesn't feel real like i don't think it's sincere 
Right. Okay. Okay. And you know, to to be fair to to parents and children of every family structure, there there's no family where apologies are never required. Right. No family, parents, children. I mean. Uh, I, I have a great marriage. Uh, I will still apologize to my wife a few times a week for something. Sometimes they're just preemptive because I know I'm going to know. But I mean, e- e- I think I'm a pretty good husband and I think I'm a pretty good um, dad. And I still will apologize to Isabella or to my wife uh, a few times a week. You know, and it's, you know, it's just things that I've forgotten about or things I've been distracted or my wife saying something to me and I'm thinking about a podcast topic and I realize that I haven't listened for like a minute and I'm like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I, I've just, I drifted right. off really like it, just little things. Right. I mean, so, uh, so even, uh, you know, even in, in good relationships, uh, apologies I find to be, uh, I think they're very important for maintaining trust. Uh, and it is not easy, right? It, Cause there's a, there's a Weasley part of, Maybe it's a part of all of us, but it certainly is a Weasley part of me that's like, hmm, well, if I just focus and pretend like I try and reconstruct the conversation, you know, I'll just, she she won't ever know, but I just find that's too much work. And I, you know, I I assume that at some level she gets if I'm not listening. So, uh, so I have to, uh, right. I I can, I sadly, I can identify with that. I'm trying to improve on that. I I know I'll try to grab sort of vague reply out of my head. So it sounds like I've been listening, but yeah. Or you'll ask a question uh, that you hope will elicit the information that just passed by, you know, (laughs) like you're trying to grab the sound of an ambulance siren that just went around the corner or something like that. So yeah, it is tough for sure. And, and even in these conversations, right. Um, uh, I will sometimes, because I have to do this stupid switchboard stuff from time to time, like people all caps saying, please add me, you know, (laughs) and I have, so I may miss a few things and there are times where I have to go back and say I'm so sorry I missed or whatever, right? So, um, so right. I think I think even in good relationships, um, apologies are, you know, maybe not daily for me, but certainly a couple of times a week. Uh, and I don't anticipate that's going to be any different with uh, with uh, with Isabella. Uh, and and I, I imagine right. it's going to be higher with Isabella than it is with my wife because uh, you know this house and 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 me and and my wife. Uh, we're the world to her, whereas, you know, I have, you know, a job and, you know, all these other, I want to read books and there's all these other things that I, and I go to the gym, right? So, um, so that, that imbalance of, of focus is, is going to be different and I'm going to, so I don't assume that's going to be any different. So, so I think that in a relationship, and again, it's just my opinion, but I think in a relationship where there is, uh, a non-awareness of authentic apologies, that to me indicates like a, a real problem in the relationship because it means that, uh, that, that there seems to be a lack of trust, right? I, I, I trust that uh, if I say to my wife, oh, I'm so sorry, I just, I stopped, I got distracted, I, I wasn't listening for like a minute or two, right? I'm so sorry that she's not going to say, oh, that's just typical, blah, 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 you know, get all mad and, you know, because that would raise the stakes and then, but it's, it's just the, that constant, constant maintenance of trust and all of that kind of stuff. So where that stuff is not absent, Sorry, where that stuff is absent in relationships, where there isn't a free flow of the general or a general awareness of the continually continually needed lubricant of apologies, uh, I think it's it's a very productive aspect of a relationship to think about. Right, right, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. So let's think about it. Um. Yeah. In uh, in terms of trust, um, I think that's something I, I struggle with a lot with my my parents. Um, did you want me to talk about? Would that be helpful to talk about about my parents? Or? Well, I think that that was the relationship that I mean. It's, I mean, it's always good when you have these kinds of really deep seated problems. In my opinion, it's always good to start with childhood experiences. I mean. Because right. it's so deep into your, into your spine, right? As you say, it goes through you, right? Uh, it is a very yeah. deep, deep feeling. And the deeper the feeling, the earlier to look, right? And that's just a general rule of thumb that I work with, uh, you know, rightly or wrongly. I just think that's – and that certainly has been the most productive in terms of self-knowledge for me. So, uh, so I think, yeah, if, it's, if it started with your parents uh, or, or you've thought about it in regards to your parents, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an excellent thing to, to examine. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> now – I guess in terms of my parents, I mean, when it comes down to the to trust, um, I, I I guess I can say at this point in in my life and after uh, being exposed and and uh, being exposed to your work, uh, thank you very much for it. I, I think I've come to realize that there really isn't much trust um, in my family, and I certainly don't trust my parents um, much in any way. Um, 
Um, I, I mentioned before that my mother is extremely needy. Uh, she's she's suffered from basically chronic anxiety her entire life, and it's uh, it's been much much worse um, in the last probably five or six years. Um, and she's also always been uh, kind of depressive. Um, and uh, part of that. I'm sorry, has been, you just you said depressive. I'm not sure what. Do you mean depressed uh, to others or depressed herself? Oh, pardon me. Yeah, uh, just depressed herself. Okay. So. Um, she 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 came from quite an abusive uh, family, and um, my mother has just always been um, extremely needy. Like I, I didn't really realize that until um, I started doing a bit of work on myself, and um, um, like she's um, she calls. I haven't talked to her and um, either of my parents for about uh, two months, and um, she tends to call just to talk about whatever's going on in her life. So I basically pick up the phone, realize like she identifies herself, and she talks for about fifteen minutes, and the call is over. Um, <clears throat> so I don't really have any. I don't trust. I don't have any trust in my parents that they actually care about me. That's that's kind of where. I'm going with this. Um, I'm, I'm, I just want to interrupt and just, I mean, I'm, I'm so sorry about that. I really am. I mean, I think I can really identify with that a bit, but I, I just, I just want to point out, like, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I mean, that is a very, a very sad situation that, um, yeah, I mean, you can't look forward to these calls, I would imagine. And, you know, just sort of sit, sit through them and hang up. That's, that's very, very sad. Uh, that there's not more curiosity or engagement or any level really of reciprocity as as you describe. I just, I mean, that's, that's so sad. I appreciate you saying that. Um, it's, um, I think for a long time, um, I, I think you've said before that one parent usually gets off the hook or, um, one is seen as, as the worst. And I think I've, but I've also started to see how my dad just kind of, um, he, you know, my, my father actually, he actually never makes any attempts to call me. It's, it's always my mother. So even that, even though she calls just to give me a lot of, um, drivel, my, my father just never calls. He just doesn't contact me whatsoever. Um, I, th I think it's not something I necessarily, uh, feel disappointed about, um, mm. well, no, that's not true. I feel yeah, disappointed. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that. I mean... Yeah, I just I guess I want to. I, I I'm in a process right now where I'm trying to to get in touch with the emotions and and, and some of the anger that, that I have towards them, and I I'm not quite getting there. So I guess I I want to try and claim that they're not affecting me, or I you know I'm free and clear of their influence. But I know that's not true. No, no. I mean, I can't. I can't imagine. I mean, if you do find a way, do let me know. <laughs> I mean, I really can't imagine. So. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah. your mother's anxiety, um, is this something, and again, we're just using all these terms from an amateur standpoint, but is this something that she's aware of? Like, does she say, I, I am an anxious person, I have problems with anxiety? Is it something that she's aware of, or is it not something that she's aware of? Uh, no, it is something she's aware of. Uh, in the last six years, uh, basically six years ago, we had um, just an event in our family that um, just kind of was very difficult for my parents, and... Um, she started to get a lot more anxious and basically uh, she has had to be hospitalized off and on for her condition and uh, she's seen many therapists. Um, she's she's a psychiatrist now who um, dishes out uh, prescriptions to her now and um, th yeah, that's about the state of affairs. Right, so, so she's on medication whole... for anxiety. Has she done much talk therapy, do you know? Uh, she's done some, but she's, I've, I've talked to her about it and she's convinced it, it, uh, is no, is of no use to her. And why, so, do you know why she thinks that? Um, I, I think the people she talked to, she just didn't, she, she wasn't convinced she was getting any results from, uh, the talk therapy. And, uh, I've had many conversations with her to try and convince her otherwise, but. And are you doing any talk therapy, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I, I have uh, 
I have been in talk therapy. I, I, I'm not presently. I uh, recently moved to a new city, so um, I'm just currently on the waiting list. Okay. Just, I mean, it doesn't sound like interesting, but I just... No, I appreciate it. Um, so uh, has, the, has the medication in your experience or in your opinion, has the medication helped your mother or no? Um, it's, um, no, I don't think it has. And, um, it actually led to, um, um, my, my mother agreeing to, uh, EST, so electroshock therapy. And, um, she, uh, she had quite a few treatments of that, but it didn't seem to work out. So I don't think anyone really knows what, what to do with her anymore. And, um, I think my dad is just, um, he's kind of become her caretaker because she's kind of a, she's up and down all the time. I think. Yeah. And do you remember, I'd appreciate you talking about this and you know, if you don't want to just let me know, but um, do you remember a time when you were younger where your mother's um, anxiety or symptoms seemed less or uh, would you say that it's been more or less constant? Um, you know, that's an interesting question. Uh, I thought, a while ago that it had been totally different when I was young and she'd been a lot happier and it's only been in the last six or seven years that she's been uh, just doing very, very poorly. Um, but I recently saw, uh, I recently looked at a home video I hadn't seen in probably since it was recorded when I was around the age of 10 and I was shocked to see she was basically the exact same person. So it's been consistent. Yeah, because there there can be uh, there can be a kind of mythology that grows up around the golden age, you know, like right, the Garden right. of Eden phase of mankind, the golden age of the family. Boy, when we were younger, and you know, things went bad more recently, and and so on. Right? I mean, and <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe it's true sometimes, but it doesn't it doesn't often hold up under much examination. Right. Yeah. That's true. I mean, there is a certain robustness that uh, people have uh, when they're younger, even if they have mental afflictions, as it sounds like your mother does. Uh, but uh, I mean, there is a certain robustness, like like you know, when you're when you're twenty, you can stay up all night and drink and get up for work the next morning and so on. And then when you're when you're forty, you can't you can't really nearly as well, right? Um, so uh, so so there is a kind of robustness that people have, or a functionality that they have. Um, you know, like uh, a smoker can still run a, run for the bus when he's 25, but not when he's 55, right? Um, so there is, a, there is a kind of a golden age. And also, you know, when we're children, it's harder to see the flaws of our parents. We get them unconsciously, but it's harder to process them, right? It's not something we want to look at directly because things aren't going to change for us for quite some time. So we don't really want to look at that too much. So that there, a lot of things combine, I think, and there can be this kind of perception of a golden age. And it sounds like that may have been the case with your family, and it also sounds like when you look back, it, it's the part of you, sort of at least when you were connecting with the part when you were 10, says that may not be the case, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I mean, until probably about two or three years ago, I thought our family was relatively great and... Uh, we were doing fantastic, um, but I I'm just sorry. Know can you just say that again? Case. You said until two oh. years ago your family was great and doing really fantastically. Yeah, like I thought. You know, I knew we weren't the closest family. Like, um, like um, I, um, like my 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 parents would never use the words like "I love you," and in my, my early twenties, I decided to start using them because I, I just, I noticed other people, other parents would use them. So I, I kind of, they followed my lead and started saying that to me. So I guess I'm just trying to say that I thought we, our family was, I don't know, I thought maybe we could, we were doing better or something, but um, I, I just didn't really think about it. Um, does that make sense? I hope I'm making sense here. It does. It really does make sense uh, to me, okay. uh, for sure, for sure. Uh, I don't think that it's something that, that you would have come up with on your own. I think it was probably something that, again, it's part of sort of the family mythology, right? I mean, the, the mythology that is associated yeah. with families, where it's like, you know, we've had some tough times, but we pull together and blah, 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 right? And it's sort of like, um, you know, if you don't mind the analogy, it's sort of like Soviet propaganda. It's like, it's it's put forward quite 
repetitively, repetitively and sometimes forcefully, which does not mean abusively. But there's always this feeling that if you question it, it's like a house of cards, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You were about to say something or? Oh, no. No. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Um. So if, if you sort of had to say, I mean, you know, with, with, with just talk about your mom, with regards to your mom, um, do you feel visible with her, like that she sees you like sometimes or always or often or never, or, you know, again, just off the top of your head? Uh, are there times where you feel that there's a, a real connection or uh, does it feel a little bit like those opposing pole magnets trying to push those together? Uh, absolutely not. I don't think she sees me at all. And uh Largely, I've I think I've had to um, hide who I am uh, in order to be the um, the good uh, son, like the good um, the one that uh, turned out all right, or uh, the one we're proud of. Right, right, right. So there's a, a sibling who went off the rails. Is that right? Um, and would, again, yeah. this is to do with the family disaster you talked about earlier. We don't have to go into it. I just because again, it's the third party. I just wanted to sort of understand uh, that there was an, there was another brother who or sister. It doesn't really matter the gender. Um, where there is a comparison to you, right? Yeah, there was just a, a sibling of mine who uh, has um, uh, been. He's, he's clinically diagnosed with depression and. Uh, it was just a, a, a big thing for our family. Right. right. Okay. And um, did you receive compliments um, when you were a kid? I think you said that you did receive compliments, but you felt that um, they were insincere. Is that right? Um, yeah. Um, I did feel they were insincere. And I also um, – one thing that's that I should mention is uh, – I haven't talked much about my father. I'll just mention this is that, um, he, uh, he's, he's a, he's not very in touch with his emotions. Well, I should just say he's not in touch with his emotions. He's, he uses humor as kind of a defense. Like whenever I would share something with him, even as a child, like say a drawing, if I was excited about it, he would sort of, he has this way of mocking just sort of like he kind of mocks your excitement. Like if you go to him and you have something serious to talk to him about, he kind of makes this face like it's not important to him. And it, it's, it's, I, it was, it upsetted me for years and I've just kind of, I think I've stopped trying to tell him anything that, or, or share anything of, of that I find of value. So, um, Is it? And I'm just I, again. I'm trying to understand. I think I do, but I want to make sure I really get it. So he he sort of says, um, or he implies that is it that it's small or that it's petty or that it's unimportant or is he it's, distant and ironic and uh, you know well you'd only you know you're only excited about this because you're young or you know you don't know it's all been done before. Like I'm trying to sort of understand because I get the deflation aspect of it. But what is right. it that uh, um, what is it that you you feel is sort of being conferred, if that makes any sense? Right, right. It does. Um, it, it's definitely on sort of the other end. Like, uh, it's not iron, ironic. It's just sort of like, um, um, it just seems like a. He just doesn't um, care. I mean, it's like a, it's a it's a failure to recognize, or try to connect with me and and and, and understand why I, I'm so interested in something or why this is so important or, um, I don't quite believe you <laughs> if you don't mind okay. me saying so. And not because I think you're telling me any falsehoods. It's just that the emotion, and this is all just my gut, right? But the emotion that I got out of what, when you first started talking about your dad versus there's a failure to connect, doesn't connect to me in the, in the way that when you earlier said, that uh, it kind of went right through you and then it wasn't that important to you that there seems to be a disconnect between those two things if that makes like if if there's simply a failure to connect then it's not that painful right uh, but if there's something 
more like when you bring something that you really care about to your dad, there's got to be something more than a failure to connect. Because at least that's what I got out of the first time that you said it. And maybe I'm wrong, but does that does that make any sense? Yes, it does. It, yes, it does. Um, I think it's it's like he wants to make fun of you for being that there is a connection, and it's like he wants to make fun of you for caring so much about something and um, sort of mock you for thinking you're, uh, you know, important or um, you've done something or thought something of, of any value. And um, does that help? Is that yeah, so is clear? it sort of like um, uh, I'm almost uh, – I'm, I'm trying to understand and, and you know, just, just tell me if I'm just – I just want to make sure I can get into these shoes because I, I think they're important with regards to compliments, um, which was, you know – the general topic, but is it who are you to think that you could contribute anything important? Yeah, I'd say that 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 hits home. Okay. Now, your father, of course, would be aware that there are people in the world who contribute important things, right? Absolutely, yeah. So it's not like it's not like if you go up to your dad and you say, "I'm going to get me some Nike jump boots and ping off to the moon," right? He would say, "Well." That's crazy because nobody can do that. So he would he would be aware that there are some people who contribute important and powerful and wonderful things to the world or terrible things to the world and who are, you know, great spirits or great souls or whatever, right? Like he would know about, I don't know, Albert Schweitzer, um, Winston Churchill, you know, Lincoln. I mean, just to take the stereotypes, whether they're true or not, he would know that there are some people who contribute great things to the world in the popular idiom. But – what would your relationship be to those people? Because in being excited about something big, it's not that it's impossible for you to do it because what one man can do, another man can do. But mm -hmm. what would his perspective be? Because it wouldn't be something impossible that you would be bringing to him, right? So what would his perspective be with regards to that? Um, I feel like that's a tough question. Um, and I'm just trying to... <laughs> Um, well, he must. There must be two classes of people, at least. I'm just working this logically, right? And maybe it right. works, and maybe it doesn't, right? But there must be two right. classes of people, right? So, if uh, um, if I'm just trying to sort of picture it, right? So, uh, if if my daughter comes to me and says, uh, I don't know, in in five years or whatever, I want to be a Broadway star, right? Mm -hmm. Then. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I would say, hey, let's sign you up for Twinkle Toes Dance Lessons with Daddy and we'll both go for the auditions, right? Or, you know, I would, I would say, well, let's get you some singing lessons. Let's get you some, you know, and see if you like it. Obviously, first and foremost, see if you have uh, any talent or ability, right? I mean, uh, and desire and so on, and we'll, we'll give it a shot, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, it's, it's not outside the realm of possibility that she could be uh, a Broadway uh, star, right? Because there are Broadway sure. stars and there will be when she grows up and, and so on, right? Mm-hmm. But if, on the other hand, I responded and said, uh, you know, that, uh, that's never going to happen. The odds of that are so tiny that uh, uh, it's never going to happen, right? Your, your, your legs are chunky. Uh, you're not tall enough. Your hair is too frizzy. You know, whatever it is. I, may, I don't even know if I'd even make up a reason if I were that kind of parent, right? But it would be I, – I would admit that there are some people who become Broadway stars, but we, or rather you, are not one of them. So there's two classes of people, right? And there's this impermeable barrier or ceiling between the two, right? We can't rise up to be with the stars, and they will never come down to lift us up. So forever the two will be separated. Does that make any sense? Yes. Yes, that does make sense. And um, certainly I'd put my, my, um, my father in the latter category where there's just sort of a – I think he believes there's a ceiling to, to what we can do or what we can achieve. And, but who's um, the we? Who's the we here? Right? I mean, I, I always find it so, so, so important for self-knowledge to map the worldview of our parents. You know, whether we like them or not or, or love them or not or maybe even more importantly if we don't like them or love them. It is so, so important to map the worldview of our parents so that we can delineate where it shows up within us, right? Right, right. Um, so I'm just trying to get this straight. So we could be more than me or myself? Or well, in his worldview, 
There right. are people okay. who like there. He, 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 you know, you can't go past the supermarket checkout without seeing pictures of movie stars on a beach or whatever, right? There are people who achieve their dreams, who, you know, do great things. Uh, great, just meaning you know, meaningful and obviously things that they like to do. There are people. Right, there are artists, there are politicians, there are people uh, who are movie stars, there are um, people who are singers and 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 models or whatever. They get, they achieve the things that they want to achieve. They set out to achieve goals that are sometimes very hard to achieve, and they achieve them. And uh, so there are he, he would you know because he's not crazy he would he would be aware that there are those people in 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 the world, but for you and and he I would assume as well. Uh, that's not a world that we can get to, right? Like we're on the dark side of the moon and the movie stars on the beach are in, in the world. We can't get, there's no spaceship. We can't get there. Is, is that, does that make any sense? You know, it makes perfect sense for sure. Yeah, it does. So what's um, the difference? Why, why can't you get there? Um, I just don't, well, I don't think he believed in us. I mean, and um I didn't think I like I, I don't believe my father has ever had much in the way of self-esteem either. Like I don't think he ever really believed in himself. Um he recently retired from just sort of a full-time job with the city and um I mean he never really pursued any dreams that he really ever had. Um do you think that my he mother's had, uh, dreams? Um, he, he did. I mean, I think he was, uh, he, he was interested in, um, he was a musician and, uh, he, that's one of his hobbies, but, um, I don't really know if that was something he, he ever really was shooting for. Um, right. 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 Now, I mean, it is it is tough. I mean, as, just projecting myself forward many years, it is tough as a parent. Like if your kid says... Uh, I want to bring back vaudeville or, or something, you know, like whatever. You'd say, well, I don't know the odds of that. <laughs> like if, if my if my daughter wants to become an actress, right? I mean, it's uh, it's stressful as a parent if your kid wants to do something like that, for sure, right? And if she wants to become a doctor, yeah, well, she'll become a doctor or whatever, right? Uh, or a lawyer or something, right? But if she wants to become an actress, it's like, oh, man, you know, <laughs> talk about feast or famine, right? 98% of people make 2% of the money, and if all the rest of the money goes to everybody else. And, um, you know, there's lots of rejection and stress and travel and, and agents and complications and, and so on. Right now, some people do it for sure. And some people, um, most, most people don't, but some people do. So it, it can be a little bit, uh, a little bit stressful if you have, you know, that kind of kid, but that doesn't exactly sound like you weren't sort of sitting there saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring back the breakdance, you know, <laughs> start with my own Broadway show or something. I mean, you've gone into a, you know, stable in demand technical career. And so you're not that kind of, you know, I'm going to join the circus kind of kid, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so it's different. The kind of dreams that you have are different, right? That's right. They are, they are different. Um, yeah, I mean, what I shot for was kind of in the visual world, more uh, visually oriented. And um, I understand that he didn't know much about that, but I just felt like there was, um, it's just not something I could share with him. That's how I felt. Like, I felt like it was not something he was really interested in. Right, um, which is, you know, I strongly, strongly believe that there's no such thing as indifference in intimate relations or close relations, and particularly in the family. There's no such thing as indifference. I mean, 99.999% of the world is utterly indifferent to what I'm doing with this philosophy show, right? Could not care less, never even heard of it, or if they have, they just don't care, right? Uh, and they're perfectly welcome to their indifference because they have lives to live, and certainly it's nobody's job to support my dream or whatever, right? But... Um, you know, if uh, uh, you know, if my best friend is indifferent to it, that's quite a different thing, right? Right, right, right. I understand. And I guess uh, the, the, what I point out is is um, that you're you're kind of handing foggy get out of jail free cards all over the place. Wow. You know, to be to be blunt, I mean, this this is what I perceive. It could be right or wrong, but this is this is my experience. No, I appreciate that. Um, I mean, I'll have to definitely re-listen to this because I, I, 
I was totally unaware. Um, right, and and what what happens is you will say something that is, um, I think, or it feels very true, right? Like uh, my father would put down what it is that I wanted, to, and then you will modify it to, well, he was kind of indifferent, and I didn't know how to bring it up with him. Yeah, you're right. Those those two right. are not at all the same thing, and I think that the second one is not believable because it's impossible. It's impossible for a parent to be genuinely indifferent to his child's dreams and aspirations. It's not possible. The indifference has a message. The indifference has a meaning, right? Yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. And I, I guess that's, I feel like that's territory that I haven't really ventured into just yet, where um, I can't just sum it up as indifference and move on, um, that it goes farther than that. Well, it's, it's, it's painful, right? I mean, if, if you're bringing something yeah. that you really treasure to a parent and the parent is putting it down or, or mocking it or whatever, you, you know, these abstract ways that you have of diminishing it, but that's really painful, right? Because much like your mother, my guess would be that it's all about him and not about you. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And that's that's a painful place to go to, right? Mm-hmm, it is, it is. And um, I guess I'm just thinking, <laughs> just trying to think about this, trying to connect it back to this sort of topic of compliments. And um, I just, I don't know, there's, um, sorry, I was going to try and connect it back there, but I, I'm having a hard time doing it. Do you want me to throw a rope and see if it lands on anything useful? Oh, if you could, I'd really appreciate it. I'll try not to both throw both ends of it this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this would be my guess, right? And my nonsense amateur opinion would be something like this. The reason that genuine compliments and apologies as you say, go right through you, it's because I don't think that you have much, if any, experience how to be in a conversation where it is actually about you. Yeah, that... Uh, it's that like being hit with uh, electrical cables. Yeah, because visibility is is um. I mean, we all we all we all hunger for that so much to be visible to people. Doesn't mean they have to agree with us. Doesn't mean they have to approve. But they, the people who are close to us, and the, the definition of closeness to me is is to be visible mm -hmm. to the other person. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I just referencing what I said about my mother as well, just how, I mean, all of our interactions are focused solely on her. I mean, if in a, even if I try to bring up something that's going on in my life, the conversation will shortly kind of turn back to her life and what's going on in, in, with her. Right. <laughs> That right. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's, I mean, to 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 your credit, I mean, you you have a friend in your life who will give you the honor of a genuine apology and the trust of a genuine apology, and you feel the difference between that and say a call from your mom or whatever, right? But you know, if uh, it does, it doesn't sound like you have experienced much of what, you know, sometimes could be called mirroring or whatever. Which, I mean, this has been from when Isabella was just a few months old, that if she made an expression and you made the same expression back, she was delighted. And that still continues. I was just, I was feeding her at lunch today and uh, we're, you know, trying new food, some of which she likes <laughs> and some of which end up on a lovely little rainbow arc all over the kitchen. Um, and, you know, she didn't like something. And 
she made a face and I made the face back to her. Now I didn't want to make it back in a kind of mocking way. Uh, like I, but I wanted her to understand that I got that she didn't like it. Right. So she made a, she screwed up her nose and, you know, pursed her lips or whatever. And I made the fame face, face back with her, not mocking, not with a half smile, but just so she got that I got that she didn't like it. And then I gave her something to drink to wash away the taste and gave her something else uh, to eat. But the fascinating thing was that she was, she really disliked the food. The moment I mirrored her expression back, she started smiling, even with the bad taste of the food in her mouth that she didn't like. <laughs> wow. Because she was happy that I saw her expression. She was happy that she saw her expression reflected back, which meant that I understood it and I was communicating because she's still preverbal, of course, that I was communicating back that I understood what she was saying. You know, when she's happy and excited and she's, she's sort of waving her hands around, I will sit in the same position and wave my hands around sometimes and she just gets, she just completely falls over giggling because she's seeing who she is reflected back, you know, in her environment. And, you know, when, when she's unhappy, I have to remind myself that my job is not to make her happy, right? Not to turn her mood around because that's like, she's not a train that I can change the track on because her unhappiness is not as pleasant for me as her happiness, right? So it's not to distract her and to, my job is not to distract her and, and to make her happy, right? Like if she, if she bumps her head, uh, my job is to comfort her, not to uh, make funny faces until she smiles. My job is to, to recognize that she's hurt, to comfort her, and then let her feel better when she's ready to feel better. And that kind of accepting and that kind of mirroring, uh, it really is just seeing her for who she is and not as something for my convenience. Uh, and uh, that, is, uh, e e that is such a fundamental need, I believe, in, in people that she loved it when she was three months old. Right, right, right. Wow. Um, I just feel like you've given me so much to think about already. Um, um. And if a compliment is genuine, if the compliment is genuine, mm -hmm. then it is, it is a, a kind of visibility. Right, right, right. And, and I'm not, sorry, go ahead. I'm just gonna, I'm just going to say, I, I guess I feel like I'm not used to being, having that spotlight you know, shown on me, it's, um, like I'm finally being acknowledged or being, um, seen as, um, worthy of some sort of sincere form of, you know, it's a compliment or apology. Um, that was just what I was going to say. Right, right. And I know you've you said, and I'm perfectly happy to stop the conversation if you want now. I had one other thought that I think might be of use to you, but we can talk about it another time if you want to just sit and, you know, <laughs> you listen to this again or whatever process, what, what we've talked about. No, I'd be happy to hear it if, uh, if you'd like. Sure. Okay. Um, my daughter doesn't have to do anything for me to worship her, right? I mean, she, she, she doesn't have to learn how to do, I mean, I'm happy when she does learn how to do something new, but she doesn't have to do something in right. order to, I mean, it's unconditional, right? She's my daughter. I chose to have a baby and, uh, um, fortunately drunk, you know, got my wife drunk enough to agree. And, um, <laughs> and so it's, it, it's, it's not, she doesn't need to do anything. She simply has to be. Now I'm happy that appreciating her for who she is gives her pleasure and, and uh, makes her happy and all that kind of stuff. And I think that stuff all, all works. But um, that, uh, that phase is, uh, is fleeting, is passing. That is not going to be her experience when she is, uh, when she is an adult. And, and there, this is not just my opinion. I mean, there's some pretty good studies out there that say – if you praise a child for being intelligent, that child will become risk-averse because the child believes that he has value for being intelligent and therefore he does not want to do anything where he feels dumb because then he feels like he doesn't have value, right? Right, right. Now, one of the things that I found 
toughest to work through. And I'm, you know, the reason I'm talking about myself is not because I don't want to talk about you, but because I can't talk about you because these are your experiences. But I will just tell you my experiences and, and see if they make any sense to you, whether they match or not. One of the things that I had to work through that was really, really one of the toughest things when I was going through, uh, you know, very, very deep and intensive therapy and so on, was letting go of the basic fact that um, I, I was never going to get that unconditional love as an adult. I was never, ever going to get that unconditional love as an adult. And I don't think it's healthy to get unconditional love as an adult. That seems to me like stalking or obsession or something like that. Unconditional love is for babies. Unconditional love is for children. Unconditional love is not for adults, in my opinion. That phase is gone. Unconditional love for adults is like grown men breastfeeding, right? It doesn't fit. It fits perfectly with children and babies, rather. It does not fit with adults. Because I am an adult. I am not a baby. I have consciousness, reason, moral, a moral sense. I have moral choices. I have the accumulated good and bad decisions of my life. A baby has no moral responsibility, a functional adult does, and therefore unconditional love cannot apply to an adult in the same way that it does to a baby. I mean, I certainly, I mean, if, you know, if Isabella, if she hasn't, but if she threw something across the room, I would not be upset with her. If my wife throws something across the room, I will be, right, because... Right, so it it just it cannot be the same, right? Right, right. We can't right. ever go back and bathe in the warm, glowing mother's milk of beatific and perfect and unconditional love, regard, affection, care, concern, mirroring, devotion, and worship. We simply can never go back to get that, and that remains a hungry need within us. And this hungry need for unconditional love is what fuels bullshit like sports. And gods and patriotism and tribalism. Right? My country, right or wrong? What does that mean? It's the infant's cry for unconditional love. I love my sports team even if they lose. I might be mad at them, but I'm still a fan. My sports team, right or wrong? My god, right or wrong? My tribe, right or wrong? My culture, right or wrong? I mean, if we actually did get the unconditional love that we needed as children, we wouldn't be such vacuums for unconditional love as an adult and have that as a huge lever that people in power use to control us. And I would guess that the avoidance, like the little bit of sort of minefield skirting that you're doing, is around that, right? That, that it, is, it is a wrenching grieving that I think a lot of people need to go through and the lack of going through it or the, the avoidance of that grieving, which I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're doing that. I'm just saying it's a possibility. And I certainly don't think that you're doing it consciously. That's why I'm sort of mentioning it in this way. The unmet needs, if we had them as children, will never, ever, 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 ever be met because we're no longer children. There's no point... Feasting on calcium when you're 30 if you didn't get enough when you were five. Just make you sick. You can't go back and get it again. And so when somebody gives you a compliment or, or sometimes a criticism or an apology where it is genuinely about you, that brings up a lot of pain. Right? Imagine you're, you're in the desert and you sort of You've been thirsty for hours and hours and hours, but you've kind of forgotten about it because you're worried about getting out of the desert and so on. And then you see, you know, a big pitcher of your favorite drink, you know, iced tea or Coke or whatever, your favorite drink. Suddenly your thirst is going to hit you like a, a hoofbeat to the face, right? Because it's right there in front of you. And it's the same thing if we have unmet needs and then somebody meets those needs. It's really painful. Because we suddenly realize just how thirsty we are. 
and I, I would say that's why the compliment, they go right through you because somebody sees you for who you are. It opens up everything that was not there before around visibility and mirroring and tenderness and intimacy and curiosity and love. Um, Stefan, I'm just at a loss for words. I think that's so true. Um, Do you know when I, this is, this is how crazy it was for me when I was, when I was in theater school, um, I, we, we did an, we did an intimacy exercise and it really wasn't around intimacy. It was around, uh, acting. Right. But, and, and it sounded so ridiculous um, we, we just, we had, uh, you know, whenever you get a script and you're an actor, you want to, you want to act, you want to thunder, you want to right, make all of this passion and, you know, scream at people and Stella, right? All this stuff. And we, we had this teacher from New York who intimidated all of us because she was just, you know, New York, New York, you know, just aggressive. And, uh, she had us, uh, sit across a table. We had a table facing each other and we did this exercise where we were both, given a script, two actors were given a script, and you had to look at the line on the page. You know, the line could be anything, you know, good morning, uh, how, was, how did you sleep, or whatever it was in the play. And you couldn't act it, because the first thing you wanted to go, good morning, how did you sleep? You want to go and act it, right? And the exercise was to read the line just to yourself, to take a deep breath, to look at the other person, and just say the line. Not act, not act. Just say the line while looking at the other person. And then the other person had to look down, read their line, look up, look you in the eye, and read the line. Just simple human communication. Now, the lines were scripted and so on, but that really wasn't the point. The point was, can you connect with another human being? Holy crap. I mean, you should have seen what it did to people. And we're all sitting there saying, well, it can't be that hard. Give me the script. I'll go and do it, right? So when I sat down to do it, I remember I was sitting across from a guy. And I don't have any idea what the lines were or anything like that. But the teacher kept, you know, with her New York, and I can't do a New York accent, but she kept, relax your shoulders, you know? Your legs are tense, right? Relax your arms. Relax your cheek. Your jaw is tense. Loosen your jaw. You know, she was that kind of person, right? And... As I felt my body begin to relax, because, you know, I was trying to, you know, be a good student, relax, and I was looking at this, this guy across the table. And this is why I say it was like a hoofbeat to my face, because I literally, I felt it coming. I felt it coming like a, like a freight train through a soap bubble. The emotion, the emotion just welled up. I just burst into tears. And it's the, I think it's the only time in my life where, you know, you could have paid me a million dollars to not cry, and I would have just said, bye-bye, one million dollars. And the teacher was like, don't worry, it shows a good degree of sensitivity. <laughs> you know, which I thought was, you know, okay, well, that's one way of putting it, right? And the fact that I was actually, this was not therapy or anything, uh, but but I was in an environment, you know, and I was, I was crying and so on, and, I, I, you know, I, I struggled through the exercise. And then afterwards... Uh, a guy who was uh, another guy, his name was Chuck, nice guy actually, he was from from Newfoundland, and uh, he, he went out and he, he bought a candy bar and he brought it to me and he said, you know, I thought you might want this, you know, you know that looked like, that, that looked rough. And it was, it, was, it was a really astounding day for me and I was 19 or 20 I think, and um, you know, just that, that I had that, you know, the, the tears were what had not been present, which was just relaxed connection. Um, the fact that the teacher was not humiliating me for crying, the fact that a guy just bought me a candy bar, all of this is as vivid to me as if it happened this morning. And that's the unmet needs, I believe. And uh, it's, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard to face those unmet needs. And people, you know, we, we invent philosophies, we invent ideologies, we invent religions and countries and political parties and all and what is it all for what is it all for why do we need all of this stuff well to avoid the landmines of absence that have detonated our histories
So that's what I would focus on. <laughs> Again, I'm, I don't want to tell you what your experience is, right, and at all. And your experience may be completely different from mine. But I certainly grew up with no mirroring. In fact, with anti-mirroring, right? Because there's no such thing as no mirroring in a family relationship with, between parent and child. Because if the mirroring is withheld, it's, to me, an act of abandonment and aggression. And so there's no such thing as no mirroring. There's only anti-mirroring, right? There's, there's either you either nurture a child or you harm the child. There is not indifference or neutrality in the middle. I don't feed people in India. That's not doesn't make me a bad person. If a guy's locked in my basement and I don't feed him, that's different, right? That's no longer indifference. That is uh, a crime. Right, right. No, I've. Uh, thank you so much for um, relating those stories. That really, I really connected with those, and um, uh, yeah, you've just given me a real wealth of of things to to consider, and I, I just. I feel so appreciative. Thank you. Um, I, and I feel, I just, I was kind of feeling anxious because I, I, I feel like I, I wasn't contributing enough to this conversation. Um, but I, I just, uh, wow. Well, you've just given me so much to consider and, uh, and, and I know you want to jump and I, I certainly do appreciate that. And I respect that. Let me, let me just ask you one question before you go, which is just, I mean, I know that, um, you know, if you've talked about this, this not feeling visible to other people, and I know I did spend some time talking about myself and, and what I think, um, did, did that occur for you like I was not in the conversation with you? Like I didn't, I don't want to be grandstanding. I don't want to be speechifying or anything like that. Um, I did try to, uh, relate stuff that I had experienced that I think would be similar, but I, I didn't, I just wanted to check and you can obviously complete, be completely honest with me because I really want to make sure that these conversations are as high a quality as possible. Did you feel that the the conversations that I was having was, uh, you know, that, that included you or was directed at you was helpful towards you? Or did you feel that I kind of went off on some mountaintop and yelling at the clouds or something? Oh, no, no, not at all. Not at all. I, I really did appreciate it. I, I was able to connect to it. I mean, I, I, you know, I saw it as all relevant and I really appreciate it. I mean, I, I kind of came to this conversation with sort of the ideas I'd posted on the forum and some thoughts I'd had afterwards. But I think uh, pretty quickly... I realized with just some of your questions, um, I was kind of drawing blanks, and I think what you've what you talked about is going to really help me mine for those answers that just weren't coming up. So, um, thank all right, you. well, I will send you a copy of this and listen to it. I mean, we haven't used any names or identifying characteristics, and I certainly do think other people would benefit from the conversation. But feel free to have a listen to it. Uh, of course, first. And I really, really do appreciate it. I know it was a tough call for you in some ways. The, uh, you know, I thought you were wonderful uh, and honest and open. And uh, I really, really do appreciate you taking the time to to to, to have the call and to, to bring up the topic, which I know was a challenging one. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. And thank you. Thank you as well. I'll try and do something about that fog. <laughs> well, you know, that's what we're all doing, right? Just, just hacking yeah. through with some firebrands of reason and evidence uh, through the fog. So. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I know you have to go, but if there's other people who wanted to, to you know, if you had any other thoughts that you wanted to add, and you're certainly welcome to stay, but it sounds like you've got a bit of a pants <laughs> in your pants. Um, other people are welcome to add anything that they wanted to. I don't have to go to bed just yet. Uh, so uh, if anybody wanted to add anything to this uh, this call, um, you know, grab a mic and, and uh, yowl away. I think we have, we have, we have rendered them speechless. Excellent. Excellent. That either means that they've fallen asleep or it was a good conversation. <laughs> I think it was the latter. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's cut it off then. And uh, I will send you a copy of this. And thank you again so much for the conversation. I really, really uh, enjoyed it and appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Steph. Take care. Bye.